0: Welcome to the Invest with Clarity podcast, where you will learn how success in investing, as in life, is the result of absolute clarity. Mark Pearson of Nepsis in Minneapolis, Minnesota, shares his passion for portfolio management and commitment to transparency and communication to allow investors to fully understand what they own and why, bringing them to clarity in their investments. And now, here are your co-hosts, Matt Halloran and Mark Pearson. Hello and welcome to another Invest With Clarity podcast with Mark Pearson. The last podcast we did were Mark's 2019 predictions. And uh, before we really jump into some other content today, um, Mark received an absolutely amazing, uh, some would say prophetic email from uh, somebody who seemed to want to be a, a hater, for lack of a better description, but after, <laughs> after he reads this email, which is how we're going to begin the podcast, you're going to see, for those of you who've been listening to this Invest With Clarity podcast for a long time, that this guy is really just reinforcing some stuff. So Mark, why don't we start off with you reading the email, uh, yeah. and, and then let's, uh, let's break it down.
1: Sure. So I got the emails past Sunday, and uh, the email was titled, Serious Blah Blah. And I'm like, well, I don't, that's interesting when I opened that. I mean, it came from someone I didn't know. And so I opened, you know, I just looked at it and read it, And it said, it said, these quote predictions are simply various market activity at work on any day the market is open. These are not unique predictions, dot, dot, dot. Rather, your partial list is market expected and known behaviors. By the way, if you want to read those predictions... You can go to our blog site at investingwithclarity.com. You can also go to our main site, investwithclarity.com, and click on the blogs, and you'll see it there as well. He then says, you have offered good statements regarding market behaviors at work every day. Your top 10 are investment tenants. He says your top 10 are investment tenants are taught in Investments 101. They are correct, but hardly a prediction. You list a basis of knowledge required for most investors. To hold this out as new knowledge, by the way, I didn't remember saying that was new knowledge. Did uh, did you ever hear me say it was new Uh, knowledge?
0: No, I do not remember you saying that. That's okay.
1: I just said that we're seven for seven in the years that we've done this and we'll be eight for eight or nine for nine, whatever how many years it is. We've been right on every prediction. To hold this out as a new knowledge that gives you a top 10 year-after-year investment prowess is wrong. These are investment tenants. That's all. You can do better than this. So I thought it would be important to respond to him. I thought it was very nice of him to share with me his thoughts and reiterate the power of clarity. So I said good morning to the individual. First, thank you for sending me your thoughts. Second, I could not agree with you more regarding Investing 101 and sticking to the basics. That said, statistics show investors do not stick to the basics. Instead, they do exactly what I put in my predictions. The definition of a tenant is, quote, a principle or belief. While that certainly is the case with the predictions, the definition of a prediction is, quote, a statement of what will or might happen in the future thank you for making the case for quote nepsis i.e clarity have a great day Bye.
0: so why why is everything that he said there support what you have been saying not only on this podcast but the radio show and the blogs break unpack it just a little bit before we get to uh, your next topic please
1: Yeah, well, the the theory is that investors really don't know what they own and why they own it, and they become emotionally uh, attached to the investments and to volatility in the market. And as we've said over and over again, volatility creates opportunity, which we're going to talk specifically about in the next segment here. But the fact of the matter is that what I put in here are things that happen, but the reality is the behavior of the investor is consistent year in and year out. And that's my prediction. Investors will continue to act out these 10 predictions unless they find themselves what we call clarity, clarity in their investments, clarity in their planning, understanding what they own and why they own it.
0: Well, let's, let's, let's take a move. I mean, uh, if you yeah. have been wondering what volatility looks like, uh, because you've been asleep for the last 10 years, because, you know, yeah. really there hasn't been volatility. So let's yeah. go. Talk, talk about yeah. what's going on.
1: Well, okay, so as we in, in, in the top ten prediction uh, predictions, uh, the second one on the list is company stock prices as well as the, quote, stock market. Remember, Matt, we tell our investors every day, you don't invest in the stock market. The stock market is a market where you buy and sell goods and services. There's the flea market, right? There's the vegetable market. There is the stock market where you buy and sell securities. So the uh, company stock prices, while the stock market, will move up and down irrationally, as usual. Remember, you don't invest in the market. Invest in businesses purchased through a market. Volatility, which certainly in the fourth quarter of 2018 probably scared a bunch of people, as we saw the largest pullback from peak to trough since the financial crisis, 20%, will get people thinking. It will get them wondering, what is happening with my money? The more you understand about what you own and why you own it, the more you're able to not only forget about volatility, but shall I say from a common sense standpoint, Matt, perhaps take advantage of volatility, dare I say. Most investors don't do it, though, because they don't know what they own. They don't know why they own it. And they invest in things that are opaque with a hope and a prayer that they're going to turn out okay, Right. So. Let me give you an example. Celgene. Have you ever heard of Celgene? Uh,
0: I actually think you brought it up on a previous podcast, but past that, no, I have no idea what the heck it
1: is. Yeah, so Celgene's a great example of the volatility, right? Celgene's a big biotech company. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's got a paltry $60 dollar market cap right now, right? So this is not a you know, small name. And Celgene went from about, let's call it in October-ish, uh, August, uh, September, that time frame, September was actually at $87 a share. Okay. During the during the correction in the fourth quarter, the stock went to 62, 61, 59 actually got down in the 59s. And this is a company actually we had owned in the past, but the fundamentals had changed. And so we had sold it at a much higher prices, and we had been watching it for the last couple of years. And sure enough, from eighty, you know, from eighty-seven, ninety, ninety-five dollars a share, actually over a hundred earlier in the year, without fundamentals getting any worse, the stock goes from ninety-five to fifty-nine, sixty without changing fundamentals. So why is that? Well, there's various reasons why that could happen. Could be tax loss selling, could be people selling because they're panicking about their money, or it could just be people not knowing what's going on. They're saying they're throwing the towel in, they're forgetting the whole thing, and they're walking away from investing in general. At $66 a share, we repurchased that stock with a sizable position in our clients' portfolios because at this point, believe it or not, Matt, the long-term fundamentals had actually gotten better. They had improved. So not only did you have improving fundamentals, you had a deceleration in the valuation of the company down to sixty-six. Even after we bought it at sixty six, sixty seven, and went down to sixty during the rest of the pullback during the last quarter of two thousand and eighteen, on January second, when I woke up to go to work, lo and behold, Bristol Myers bought Celgene for basically about a hundred. Let's call it about at current prices, ninety nine dollars a share is about one hundred two dollars a share, based on the closing price of Bristol Myers on December thirty first. The moral of the story is. When you invest in great businesses and you know what you own and you know why you own it, volatility creates the opportunity to buy into a great business on sale or continually buy into a great business on sale. The problem is investors don't have the clarity, they don't have the transparency, and they don't have the flexibility to take advantage of those opportunities. Lastly, as you look now, it's now we're we're recording this on the 16th of january right and as i'm speaking to you the s p 500 year to date is up 4.56 and the acw is is up 4.69 the russell 2000 is up 7.86 and the nasdaq is up 6.22 in the first 16 days of 2019 do you remember me telling you the story matt investors make the huge mistake at looking at their monthly and Corley statements or looking at their accounts on a daily basis, taking a snapshot in their mind. This is what my money is worth. When the reality is it isn't worth Jack squat until you sell the investment, whether it's for a gain or a loss. This is why investors continually miss, uh, miss their goals and miss their investment objectives.
0: Let's let's, rewind to something that you had explained earlier and I think this is a very powerful educational point about how you stick to the knitting and what you do you talked about the flexibility being able to purchase great businesses when they're on sale but how do you do that I mean most people listening to this podcast are 100 percent invested in the market or their financial services professional has cash sitting on the side to take advantage of opportunity you do things just a little bit differently. How do you figure out how to you how to take advantage of those things when you are invested? Does, does, was that
1: a great. good question? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's okay. A okay. Question. It's a great. I understand what you're asking. It's a great question. Bluntly, blatantly, bottom line, it boils down to. I hate to be repetitive. Clarity. What do I mean by that? The more you understand about what is in your portfolio, the more you understand the why behind every single position in your portfolio and why you own it it gives you an additional layer an additional level and an additional advantage of clarity to make decisions for your portfolio so i'll give you a very good example during this pullback the chinese stocks pulled back heavier first they started pulling back first they bottomed first in the correction because the the reality is long-term fundamentals haven't changed, right? This is just a correction going on. And by the way, well-needed correction. When you're looking at the different types of businesses you own in your portfolio and the reasons why you own it, remember Matt, Nepsis is know what you own, but also why you own it. And in each position in our portfolios, are owned for a specific reason to accomplish an overall goal. Here's the analogy. I always use this analogy. Think of an automobile. We've all bought cars before, right? And we go to the lot and we look at the beautiful leather seats and we see what kind of stereo system it has and we look at the beautiful paint and all these different things, right? And all we really care about is when we know the reliability, we know we like the car, fits our needs, blah, blah, blah. Once we drive it off the lot, we just know that when we press the button or turn the key, the car is going to start, right? But do you know who makes the spark plugs? Do you know who makes the brake pads so when you press the brakes, you know the brakes are going to work? Do you know who makes the air conditioning so on that 105 temperature day out in the sun, when you turn the car on, the air is going to work? Of course you don't all you care about is that when you press the button the car works this is how most people have their portfolios managed and how they let their money be managed they just think that if i buy this this asset allocation strategy from a financial advisor if i buy this mutual fund if i buy the ctf i just know it's going to work until it doesn't work until the correction happens until my car breaks down and my engine block split because the spark plugs that were in there had a had a recall, right? That's the premise behind why investors need to know what they own and why they own it. Warren Buffett's talked about this for decades, right? The, the abil- vo- people think volatility is risk. I believe what's more risky than volatility, bluntly, unequivocally, is not knowing what you own. Because when you don't know what you own and or have the ability to know why you own it, I find that to be far more risky than actual short-term volatility.
0: I know that's a lot I just gave you again. That's okay. Uh, I mean, I think that was that was very clear, uh, and I think you answered my question well. But I want you to dig just a little bit deeper. When okay. when you have something in your portfolio that you know you know what it is and, and why you own it and what it's what its purpose is in the portfolio do yes. you usually have positions that you know are your sellable positions to take advantage of of volatility
1: okay. without question
0: okay great I, and you know so, what I, I i'm not trying to hyper simplify i know there's way no, levels no. of complexity here but
1: yeah yeah no no i'll give you a great example okay So we we owned semiconductor stocks. We owned NVIDIA, uh, Micron, and STM Microelectronics, okay? These are all stocks we bought in 2015, 2016. These were what I consider to be early stage, early cycle recovery stocks. I know that semiconductor stocks perform best in early cyclical recoveries. Okay, and if you remember, we were on the verge of a recession in late 15, early 16. These stocks were very cheap. Uh, We started buying uh, Micron in the 12s. We started buying Nvidia around 60s, 62. And we started buying STM in the nines in October when the more talk about recession was coming. And markets were more volatile. Not only did we take in profit along the way owning those stocks because they had performed so well in the portfolios, but we decided to exit all three semiconductor stocks in early October. The theory was that whether we're gonna, cause I didn't know we were gonna have a 20% correction. I had no idea. But I also had a situation where I was able to raise cash because we're no longer, one thing our metrics told us because we do modeling internally, was that we are we, the chances of a recession were increasing they weren't at risky levels yet, but they were increasing, and everybody pretty much knew we were in a mid to late cycle recovery. You always get rid of your chip stocks at that point, okay, because they're early cycle recovery. Well, I had close to 10% of our clients' portfolios, give or take, in those chip stocks. I raised 10% cash. Additionally, we had another company that got had just gotten bought, and we had raised cash on that, and with everything going on, we had, we had 15 to 17% sitting in cash, so the stocks, of course, the semiconductor stocks got hammered. In fact, we actually repurchased NVIDIA at about 135. NVIDIA was the worst-performing S&P 500 stock in the fourth quarter. Uh, did I say that volatility is pretty good? It's at <laughs> 150, by the way, again, right now. Volatility creates opportunity when you know what you own and why you own it. Now, in all fairness, let, you know, Matt, let, bluntly, most investors that we manage money for have no idea why they own what they own in their portfolios. They just know what they own, right? Because they can log in and they can see every single position in their portfolio at any time during the day they want. So they know what they own. But they don't know why they own it because bluntly that's why they pay us. Mm -hmm. And we do communicate with our clients on a quarterly basis about companies we own. Uh, we, We pick one or two every quarter. We tell them why we own those particular companies. But at the end of the day, From an investor's perspective, uh, I have found that the emotional predisposition is really focused more or the importance is focused more on what is owned and not why. Because most people don't care why they own it. They say that's why
0: we pay you. Well, and I love that and and I, I agree. But the simple fact you were able to answer that question with that level of clarity would increase my ability to have confidence in you because that just flat out makes sense. This is so contrarian to what they're hearing all over the place. Buy something, hold it for forever. Don't pay any attention to it. You don't need to worry about it. I got it covered. Uh, just ride through the volatility. We're hearing that a lot right now. Uh, you know, just just hold on to your, you know, it's not, they're not saying what you're saying. And I'm very grateful, not only that you blog, but you also have a radio show and you have the podcast because you're really hitting the big things here to yeah. get your message out there. OK, and with that, we're going to have all sorts of fun this year uh, talking about some super, super cool things. So I know there's going to be great opportunities. What what are your closing thoughts for today's podcast?
1: Well, I want, you know, one of the things that was unique and this is, you know, you have to think about investing as a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone wants the quick hit but investing really is a marathon when you invest in something you already know that you're it's going to take time right and so time in an in investment not timing an in investment and when you look at what happened in this last quarter it was an anomaly we went down 20% basically in the last 3 months of the year and what a lot of people probably don't realize and think about and I could I could show you names specifically where they got hammered in December more and more because people were more than likely tax loss selling. You know, if you don't know why something's being sold and it's being sold, at the end of the day, frankly, you should really assess why it's being sold. And a lot of stocks were being flat out sold basically for tax loss harvesting. And I want to give you one example and then uh, we can wrap up. There's a company out there called PetIQ. Uh, pet IQ is a big, obviously, in the name, pet pharmacy, pet food, all that kind of stuff. That stuff isn't going to go away. In fact, pet companies do really well during recessions, right? So this stock back in in October was sitting around $35 a share. It had come down from over 40 already, right? But as the, as the year came to a close and the company went uh, closer to the end of the year, people were t- tax-loss selling this thing. And this stock bottomed on the 24th of December at 2160. That's how much it went down in basically two months. By the way, today it hit 30, almost back to where it was two months ago. That to me is amazing. Tax loss harvesting is not a change in fundamentals. Flexibility and transparency creates the opportunity to buy those businesses on sale which of course we bought lots more of that on sale. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my, that's my soapbox for today.
0: We, you know, we should probably chat at some point on a further podcast about tax loss harvesting and how that can be an opportunity uh, for, for somebody who uses your system because uh, it seems to be rather predictable. Isn't it? I mean, yes.
1: Okay. So yeah, it's a huge advantage for investors, but most people aren't aware of it because it's hard to do that with mutual funds and ETFs. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. All right, Mark. Well, hey, you know what? This was super fun. I'm so glad we started off the podcast today uh, with somebody who was was really trying to troll you uh, and and ended up just flat out proving your point. You, that, that really made my day. I had a huge smile on my face when you read that, so I appreciate that. That was
1: mate. pretty good. Made my Sunday.
0: If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. For everybody at Nepsis and for you to invest with clarity, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. The content discussed is for informational purposes only. It is not a solicitation or recommendation for any securities that may be mentioned herein. Advisory services offered through Napsus, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor.